Hello, one and all, and welcome to another episode of In Defense Of. And this is a very special episode. I'm, of course, joined by Aaron. And today, we are talking about 2019's Amazon Prime series called The Boys. People love superheroes. They swoop out of the sky and save the day. People love that cozy feeling. Superheroes give them. Soups lose hundreds of people each year to collateral damage. It's diabolical. They're all like that? All of them. Yeah. Pardon my French. Those f***ers. I've got the boys together. Jonas. To do what? Spank the bastards. Robin. Now, before we dive into today's episode, I just wanted to do a quick uh, parental guidance disclaimer because this yeah. series um, is very mature. It's very, uh, <laughs> we mentioned last episode, <laughs> it's very vulgar, a lot of adult themes mm-hmm. and a lot of explicit adult content. Um, yep. So if you typically, if you listen to your podcast with the, with the young ones around or if this is something that you don't want to know about. Um, we just wanted to do this disclaimer so that we don't really have to sidestep around some of the more interesting mm. and crazy stuff. So, that being said, let's jump right in. Um, Aaron, yes. Um, so this is a this is a bit of a departure episode for us because we typically watch terrible films and find redeeming qualities in them. Yeah. Um, the Boys is neither a movie nor is it terrible. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> so why are we talking about it? <laughs> uh, well, I think that we we both just really enjoyed the series as a whole, but um, it just goes so much further than that. Like uh, we we were talking about state of Hollywood and how things are like. Um, you know, where the movie industry is going, and uh, with like superheroes and things like that, and then mm-hmm. this show. Kind of, I don't know if you want to say what made made light of that those those types of issues. Yeah, um, yeah, and so so it made it made light of a lot of issues that are kind of going on in uh, the world here, and it had a lot of like symbolism and uh, yeah, and like and then not to mention uh, there is just so much fan service that went on in this in this uh, show. Yeah, uh, like if, if you like. Comic books, uh, doesn't matter whether it's Marvel, DC, there was something in it for everyone that just is a fan of that comic book genre. Yeah, I don't know. What do you, what would you say? Well, it's, uh, this was quite a journey because when I first started watching this show, I watched like the first two episodes and I think I remember telling you like it was a bit, I wasn't sure if I was going to finish it at first because it was, it was Mm -hmm. super dark and, and kind of mean-spirited and typically I don't like uh it was really kind of gross and I was like I don't know if I'm gonna watch this but I was so taken by the characters and so invested in yeah. um, the journey and Carl Urban is so incredibly entertaining in this series yeah yeah he is go ahead Seth give him the stick you back off or I'll shove this stick where your dick used to be you're a bunch of pathetic soup-worshipping cats. I bet you'd f**k a soup if they shat on your mum's best china. Did it ever occur to you that they split your spine or broke your dick just for a laugh? Where's your f**king rage? 
Your self-respect! Sitting here in your little share circle, having a little whinge and a moan, f*** letting go. You should be out there with a f***ing chainsaw going after him. Just a bunch of scared f rabbits. Seems all the same, every f***ing one of them. He's, um, sorry. I ended up finishing it, but then further, um, I found that the backstory behind this was so uh, rich and entertaining, and, and, and where this series actually came from was super fascinating. But mm -hmm. I feel like the, the conversation goes so much further than that, because, um, Aaron, when we, did our, when we did our last Airbender series, we talked mm -hmm. about adaptations, right? Yeah. And the, kind of the key thing, the cornerstone I think that we touched on was characterizations because, mm -hmm. like, uh, The Last Airbender totally blew characterizations. Like, just, like, you know, completely flopped mm -hmm. on it from what you were explaining, right? Yeah. We're, now, what's interesting is to talk about The Boys as kind of a follow-up in our adaptations conversation is that The Boys elevates the source material characterization. Mm -hmm. And yeah. that was something I wanted to touch on because when we talk about adaptations, um, I feel like there's a lot to say. But yeah. what's interesting in the boys, as we'll get into it, is like there's there's characters in this series that are hugely developed that had maybe one or two panels in the actual like yeah. uh, comic series. Mm -hmm. So to I, I feel like talking about this series in terms of the overall arc of our show is is um, very fitting for the kind of things we've been talking about lately. Mm -hmm, yeah. Yeah. Um, and so we should probably do a disclaimer for any of those uh, who haven't seen the show. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Bef before yeah. we, like, d jump into it, uh, turn turn this episode off, go watch The, the Boys, and then come <laughs> back and listen to it. But for those for those of you who have watched it, you're in for a treat. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because I'm not sure. Um, I'm not sure how many people have really sunk their teeth into the backstory of this series yeah. and really recognize. Ba basically, what I would like to accomplish with this episode is to just like um, uh, broaden your uh, appreciation of it. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. So to qualify what we're going to talk about, Aaron, you and I both did our homework on this one but you um have you how far into the actual like comic book series are you so i didn't quite finish volume one um but like yeah i am like maybe one one uh comic book volume booklet i don't know how how it works but away from finishing volume one Oh, of like the very first. Okay, okay, yeah, I see. Yeah, yeah. Gotcha. I uh, I got about four issues in and then kind of yeah. felt like I needed a shower and a long walk. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So let's let's start at the beginning. Let's start okay. at let's start with the comic because that that sets up everything else. Um, so this comic ran from 2006. To, there was uh, 72 issues and it was a monthly. A monthly series. Um, it was created by Garth Ennis, and uh, well, co-created by Garth Ennis and uh, Derek Robertson. And Derek Robertson mm -hmm. was the uh, the artist. Um, now, it was published by Wildstorm, which was an imprint of DC Comics, um, but it only lasted six issues before it was canceled. Mm -hmm. 
and moved over to Dynamite uh, Entertainment for the rest of its run. Um, it's interesting, uh, Wildstorm ended up shutting down in 2010 so that DC could do the new 52 reboot of all of its heroes. So they kind of cleaned house and then launched the new 52. Mm. Um, but I think they're back. I'm pretty sure Wildstorm's back around now. Um, okay. Garth Ennis is, um, he's famous for subverting superhero tropes. Mm-hmm. Um, he's done a lot of, he's written a lot of different runs, run a lot, won a lot of awards. Um, he, he's famous for, uh, the Preacher series, which mm-hmm. is also, um, an adaptation series. Aaron, have you, have you watched any Preacher? Um, no, I haven't. Neither have I. I'm not sure if it's any good or not, but, um, he also did Vertigo. He did a run with Judge Dredd, Punisher, and Hellblazer as well. He's a very collaborative guy. Um, it's funny because he's, he's Irish, right? So he, um, mm-hmm. he, he famously um, doesn't like Western, westernized like superheroes. He thinks they're boring. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, I lived in a small town outside Belfast in Northern Ireland, and the distribution was such that all we got were the mainstream British titles. We didn't even get the British reprints of the Marvel books. Uh, we certainly didn't get the original Marvel and DC books, which would show up in in British stores occasionally. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm talking here in the days before comic shops, of course. I'm talking about um, corner stores. Pharmacies. Exactly. Like so I had almost no experience of American comics at all. And when I did see them, they didn't compare favorably with what I was reading. 2000 AD, uh, another comic called Action, another one, a war comic called Battle. These were British weekly anthologies. Um, They featured uh, a lot of very straightforward, bare-bones storytelling. Judge Dredd is, of course, the best example, a character who was conceived as a future cop who would shoot people for dropping litter if it came to it. Shoot first, ask questions later. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, anytime he can turn a superhero uh, trope on its head. That's typically what he does. A lot of typically his work is super gritty, super mature, um, really graphic and, uh, explores themes that I don't know who else really had the balls to explore some of the stuff he was Mm -hmm. exploring at the time. Yeah. A true pioneer. Yeah, exactly. And, um, but his stories, he was always focused on story. When I saw, and I did occasionally see things like Batman and Spider-Man, I just didn't see the point of them at all. Next to next to something like Judge Dredd, I saw uh, what I think of as a kind of Stan Lee storytelling where a, a fight will go on over several pages, coming off more like a dance than anything else, in which these characters will exchange reams of dialogue, they'll cover the page in dialogue while hitting each other. And in comparison to what I was reading, that just didn't work for me. So mm-hmm. there wasn't a mel- an, an element of realism to him where the, the emphasis wasn't so much on the violence or the fighting, but more so on the story building, the characterizations, mm-hmm. and exploring some really, really intense themes. Yeah. So the comic was canceled by Wildstorm after six issues. And um, I think, I can't remember what he said. I think he was talking about Preacher where he said that a lot of the higher ups at these publishing houses didn't actually like read the comics. So he was like getting away with murder until Mm -hmm. I think one of them actually read one of the issues and thought, oh my God, like what are we publishing? (laughs) 
Yeah. And then, <laughs> what are we what are we doing here? So um, yeah, fast forward to 2019, and mm-hmm. this series comes out of nowhere. Yeah, and so the series is developed by uh, Eric Kripke, and then what is Seth Rogen is is a producer on it, right? Yes. Yeah, and then uh, Evan Goldberg is also a producer slash writer on it. Yeah, and something that's so rad about this series, which I also feel like is kind of unique, is mm-hmm. all eight episodes of this first season were directed by different people. Yeah, which is it, super cool. Yeah, and like it, you wouldn't you wouldn't know the way that the episodes are filmed. Like they all flow perfectly together. Yeah, and I I find that so interesting um, because um, Garth Ennis was so collaborative. He always was collaborating with the artists, and um, it's so neat to see this series come together where it has this cohesive flow, and the focus is almost entirely on characterization, Um, Mm -hmm. but it's all different directors, all with a slightly different voice. Um, Mm -hmm. Now, in terms of tone, like the boys is rated TV mature. It's it's got everything. It's got graphic nudity, blood, gore, you name it, swearing. Yeah. <laughs> um, but even so, there's so much stuff from the comics that literally was unfilmable. Like didn't yeah. make the cut into the series. Um, Aaron, as someone who like, because you went a lot further with the comics than I did. Yeah. Could you touch on that a little bit? Yeah. So uh, in the comics, like. Uh... It's just, it's absolutely insane. Like, Butcher is just off the walls, like, insane. Um, he, it's like the the director of uh, of the CIA, um, he, he, like, goes to meet with her and just, like, ends up having sex with her, like, every time he goes to see her. And he, like, <laughs> sees her, like, every single time. And the in the comic books, it's so, like, grotesque, too, because he, like, walks in and it shows a shot of, like, behind her sitting at her desk and it's from behind her and you clearly see a picture of her and her family and like a husband and then the next scene is just them like banging yeah yeah (laughs) so it's like yeah that's just like a taste of uh what some of these scenes are yeah there's this one scene in the comics where um where huey and is looking through kind of like binoculars at this like this brothel house Mm -hmm. and the different uh heroes are they're basically um, tag teaming like room to room these these different rooms where these like uh, prostitutes are in. Oh yeah, and they're like swapping back and forth. Like Butcher is doing this commentary through the whole thing about how brutal it is and what these girls are having to endure. Mm-hmm. Oh man, it's rough. That's rough yeah. stuff. So let's, uh, Aaron. Can you kind of like? Uh, I'm sure anyone mm-hmm. listening to this has probably seen the series, but to set up kind of the rest of the what we're talking about, could you could you kind of like yeah, give okay. me the plot? So, so since we're, I'll I'll go more off of uh, where the show went rather than the comic book, since we're kind of yeah. talking about the show. Yeah, for sure. And uh, so, bas- the the way it starts out is Huey Huey, who is played by uh, Jack Quaid. Mm-hmm. Um. He is like the he's kind of like a timid, bumbling kind of guy, right? Like just a pushover, like overly nice guy. And he has this girlfriend who just seems like she's amazing, helps him come out of his shell. Um, 
you know, just just is like really there for him and helps him encourage. And they're having this really sweet scene. And then all of a sudden, the A-train just like runs right through her. <laughs> and Huey is just left standing there with her hands in his like, in his hands, basically. Yeah, just obliterates her like into yeah, pink and, mist. Oh, yeah, just, yeah, completely just everywhere. Yeah. All that was left were her hands. Yeah. And... And so Vought is like the um, like the kind of the bad guys, like the bad corporation uh, yeah. that controls the soups and not controls, but kind of pays them and like directs them where to go. And yeah. what you find out is that the superheroes are not like your comic book, like not like your Spider-Man, Batman or Avengers or anything like that. But they are celebrities with like superpowers who are more concerned about their social status than they are of Mm. actually saving people's lives. Yeah. And so what you find out is uh, Carl Urban comes to visit uh, Huey. Uh, Sorry, Carl Urban is obviously Billy Butcher. Billy Butcher. He comes to visit him and recruit him to be on his team so that they can obviously like avenge his uh, girlfriend. Yeah. And... Yeah, and so so he get he he finally recruits uh, Huey to be on the team, and then um, they go and they get the Frenchie, who's played by Tomer Capone. Tomer yes. Capone. Yeah. yeah. And uh, and they somehow like oh because uh, because he gets attacked by a uh, soup called Translucent, who has the ability to turn invisible and uh, has like carbon fiber skin or something like that, like indestructible skin. Yes. And they manage to capture him, and yeah, they're trying to kill him basically after that because they're trying to the, find a way to do it. Yeah. Yeah. And and so so that's kind of the beginning scene and then from there on it becomes uh they they also involve this other guy named Mother's Milk played by Laz Al- Alonso. Yes. Um they find a <laughs> female they find another girl um that they call the female and she is a she has superpowers and her the name female is female of the species. <laughs> yeah. Her her name is Karen Fukuhara? Fukuhara, yeah. Yeah, Fukuhara. And then, uh, yeah, so it's kind of, they are considered the boys. And uh, so it's like them versus the seven, which the seven is kind of a play on uh, Justice League. Yeah. Because I think think there was like an original seven in the Justice League, right? Yeah, this this show is, it really like barely tries to mask the fact that it's a parody of like the Justice League, you know? Yeah, and so so it's them versus uh, the seven and Mm -hmm. it just kind of goes back and forth uh, through what's going on through everyone's lives and why why, like the boys are what happened in their lives and why they're going after them. But it also explores um, the soup side and like what they've been through, and um, you know, and everything they're kind of going through. And you find out that they are this company Vought is actually creating soups uh, with this drug called Compound V. Mm-hmm. They give it to babies, and I guess it it they develop superpowers. And so, what was happening is they would. Um, like people would, they realized they realized that uh, they couldn't give babies superpowers um, in a like laboratory setting because they just 
they don't they don't like grow up with the right morals either because yeah. I believe Homelander was he was kind of brought up uh, that way like in the in the laboratory. Um, Homelander, who is played by um, Anthony Starr. Yeah. Yeah, and so so he was kind of brought up in a lab and he just has like this real um this real like weird mother issues, I guess it is. Like there's an actual term for it. Do you know what it is? Like a is it like a dependency thing or? Yeah, yeah, like it's it's something like you you treat like a grown woman like a like your mother kind of thing. Like you have it's some kind of from like lack of having a mother. There's an mm. ac- it's like an actual uh like disabil- mental disability that I think people can have. I can't remember what it's called. Mm. Um but he has that with the VP of Vought who is Madeline Sitwell played by where Elizabeth Shue. Yes, yeah. And so they kind of got this like weird mother-son sexual like relationship going on. Yeah, it's really uncomfortable in a few places, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and um we should probably oh, uh Starlight. Starlight is the other other soup that's like kind of you really need to know who that is. Um she is played by Aaron Moriarty. Mm-hmm. And um, she she's a really interesting character because um, she's like that Bible Belt uh, Southern kind of like grew up in going to pageants and um, all that sort of stuff. So she was kind of like she's really she's idealistic ca- and yeah, and like oh a little, a little idealistic and like a bit naive at the same time. Oh, very naive, yeah, yeah, unfortunately, mm-hmm. yeah. And so she just kind of thinks that she is just going to walk right in there and uh, start saving people and, like, instantly make an impact of um, how, like, how like impact in the world and saving people's lives. But when she gets to Vought, she realizes it's, uh, like, people are very vain and they <laughs> actually don't care about saving people's lives whatsoever. And yeah. Yeah, and like the first first scene in the in the show, she gets uh, welcomed in by the Deep, who is played by Chance Crawford or Chase Crawford, sorry, and uh, he kind of like welcomes her and somehow convinces her, or well, basically kind of blackmails her into giving him a blowjob in order to join the uh, in order to like join the Seven, and he kind of just he kind of just plays. Um, plays it off like he's a big deal like he's number two and if he doesn't do yeah. it um <laughs> that she's rough, gonna rough stuff yeah honestly though okay I, I, like i just need to say this he probably ended up being one of my favorite characters throughout this series because you just feel so sorry for him by the end at the end of it well he definitely gets his uh due for sure um yeah but but aaron even this scene sorry not to not to derail but like even that scene plays out very differently in the comic as well. Yeah. 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 So in the comic books, she she shows up and it's Homelander that tells him to tells her to give him a blowjob. And then A Train and I think Black Noir show up and uh they're yeah, it's just it's not very good. <laughs> no. So basically anything that you think is like rough in this T V series, like times it by like twenty or 30 and that's yeah. actually what happens in the comic series like it's rough stuff for sure mm-hmm. yeah it's also also worth mentioning too like the cast of this show is huge like there's so yeah. many people in the series 
and they do such a good job of uh, like screen time and giving and like splitting oh, yeah. it up between people and yeah, it's unbelievable for an eight episode long series. The amount of character building between this big of a cast is unbelievable. Yeah, and uh, yeah, it's it, the other thing that's insane is like you, like Carl Carl Urban just does a fantastic job as um, Billy Butcher. Oh, yeah, he made this show for me. He's honestly the reason I kept watching it. That is a move. Come on, even you got to agree hey, with hey, me. Hey, hey, please. We should love a fucking nuke at him. Sir. Get it over and done with. You know what I'm saying? We're sorry, sir. We apologize. My man. All right, good talk. Think about it. I'm here all day, all right? Um, yeah. It's neat. There's a couple of fan service things I just want to get out of the way because they're kind of cool. Oh, yeah. uh, Carl Urban famously played Judge Dredd. Mm-hmm. Um, which is one of the a super underrated film. Um, definitely yeah. not not enough people watched it, um, but it's cool. Like he he played Judge Dredd and Garth Ennis. Uh, he really loves Judge Dredd, and in fact, he stopped writing for Judge Dredd the comic because he he didn't want to. He enjoyed it too much to want to mess with the character of it because like he mm-hmm. felt like if he was too close to the material, he might uh, not do it justice. So yeah, um, it's really sweet that. Um, Carl Urban was cast um, in kind of this lead role, having played mm-hmm. Judge Dredd, um, which is neat because it's renewed calls for him to play Judge Dredd again. Uh, it's renewed calls to push for a series, so that's rad, and I hope that happens. Um, the also the other fan service thing is that in the comics, the character of Huey Campbell was his character design, the way he looks, was directly modeled after Simon Pegg. Mm-hmm. And what's rad in this series is Simon Pegg plays uh huey campbell's dad Mm -hmm. um which is neat because it's kind of a throwaway character at least in this season Mm -hmm. um so it's i mean anybody could have played his dad truthfully but it's rad that it's the fan the fan service of the character he was based on yeah so so, um having invest uh digested a bit of the comic series it was really neat to see how much uh love and attention really went into this series if you don't have that childhood affection for these characters they'll mean nothing to you you encounter them as an adult which i did sort of in my late teens and you'll you'll come at them from a completely different angle uh they'll mean either nothing or all you'll be able to do is see the funny side, the ridiculous side. One of the things that jumped out to me right away was the the bravery and the risk-taking element of, mm-hmm. of launching this series. Um, we're on the cusp of, like, the stream wars, for lack of a yeah. better term. All these different streaming services are literally all about to drop in, like, a month or two here. Mm-hmm. Um, everything from Disney Plus to, I don't know, just there's so many. So... I started thinking about this show um, in terms of like identity building mm-hmm. because I, I think I think one of the reasons like Disney Plus is going to succeed so well is because it has an identity. Um, it's very everyone knows what Disney more or less is and knows what their properties are by now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I started thinking about this show in terms of Amazon's uh, overall identity for their streaming service. Um, because they really struck gold with this series and obviously they're already like in they're already filming or putting the finishing touches on season 2 like right now. Yeah. So, I started wondering if like this series because it is so raw and so mature, I was almost wondering if Amazon would like really lean into that and make their mm-hmm. streaming service more of like the more of like the punk rock of streaming services, mm-hmm. you know, where like yeah. all the gritty 
gritty, icky kind of stuff ends up. Yeah. Because I feel like Netflix is losing its identity and with it, a lot of subscribers, like mm. in, in the millions at this point, I think, are slowly starting to um, get a little tired with like second rate original content and mm-hmm. losing shows that they liked and things like that. So I wanted to get your opinion on this, Aaron. Do you think that Amazon's going to like this is just going to be like, do you think this is enough of a splash for them to kind of like build an identity around? Or do you think this is kind of a flash in the pan thing? Oh, that's a good question. I mean, like, look at what um, I think you're you're absolutely right in the identity that Amazon is creating for itself. Look at the shows that it's uh, it already has. Like, um, what is it? The Man in the High Castle, uh, yeah. which is like another spin on whether like if the Nazis would have won, you know. And yeah. and then there's they redid the Tick Show, and I've never watched the Tick Show, but I always remember people telling me that it is like very um like a it's like an adult show right yeah and subversive yeah yeah and then and then everything else like they have preacher on there which is like you know kind of moody deals with demons and all that sort of stuff and then there's mm-hmm. god's god and omens i think and and uh, what's that other one um Oh, they have the expanse now too, don't they? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so so yeah, like they're definitely getting into that kind of like uh almost darker kind of series. I'm really curious what they're mm-hmm. going to do with the Lord of the Rings series when that comes out. So, I think yeah, like I I would definitely agree with you. I would I would say that Netflix is just um cast the widest net and they just kind of are like in everything and right. which is like almost oversaturation of content. Right. That's the thing. Like I, I, I feel like identity is playing a bigger part in these streaming services than than people even realize. And I think over time, as all these streaming wars ebb and flow and services come and go over the next two years, it's I I my prediction is that it's going to be the streaming services that establish the strongest identity that stick mm-hmm. around. For yeah. instance, take take a streaming service like Shudder. Um Shutter is not something that I would that really appeals to me, but basically it only does horror movies. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it you know it it's categorizes them like do you want psychological monster flicks, uh, B rate this and that. But like that, plain and simple, is identity. Um, and we just saw a trailer. I, I sent you a trailer just the other day about mm-hmm. some wacky looking show <laughs> set to music. What, what was it called? Like Blood Machines or something? Yeah, yeah like Blood wild. Machines. Yeah, and I yeah. think that is a Shutter exclusive. So oh, wow. I think the shows, um, it's going to be really interesting to see where Amazon goes with this identity because this this really messes with my head, Aaron. Because I feel like Lord of the Rings is so widely appealing, mm-hmm. but don't you feel like if they're going like punk rock and going like really gritty and and subversive with their content? Don't you kind of feel like, A, this might mean that this Lord of the Rings series is totally not going to be what we expect, or B, that it's like going to leave a lot of people out in the cold? Oh, yeah. I, I have no idea. Like, for myself, I'm very cautiously, like, optimistic about it, and mm-hmm. I'm, a, I'm a bit nervous because I don't know if they're going to, like, if they're going to be able to turn that show into, like, whatever it's planning because they have what is it like a billion dollar budget or something like that like yeah it's like some insane show like budget where there's no excuse for um like why the show should bomb see because streaming services they'll always go where Mm -hmm. the viewers are right 
So yeah. it just made me wonder, like, is this Lord of the Rings series going to look anything like what we expect? Like, or is it going to be dark and gritty, you know? Yeah. So, yeah, like, I, I have no idea because the way I see it right now is it can go anyway. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Well, it's interesting. It's worth thinking about. I just, Amazon Prime as a streaming service, I feel like is still in its infancy. Like, there's a lot oh, of yeah. movies on there. But... I just, I feel like The Boys sets this interesting precedent and it's going to be interesting to see whether Amazon leans into that or if they try to paint a wide, you know, cast a wide net. Yeah. Oh, they also have, uh, what's that show? Hannah and uh, the Jack Ryan uh, Jack series. Ryan. Like the, the Tom Clancy. Is it Jack Ryan or Jack Reacher? No. Jack, Jack, Jack Ryan. Jack Ryan. Jack Reacher is like a Tom Cruise character, right? Yes. Okay. Yeah. A bit of a segue there, but it's worth thinking about, and I really want people to keep an eye on this as as streaming mm-hmm. services move forward. Because even like uh, even Apple, they have their new streaming service about to launch, and um, Apple's doing a funny thing where they're basically like including a membership to their streaming service with like their new iPhone or something, um, mm-hmm. which is a neat way of them kind of like roping in an audience. Um, they're starting their memberships really. Low, and it seems like Apple, in, in classic Apple fashion, is going for like the human interest variety mm-hmm. yeah. in their content, um, which is which is great. Like there's a you know there's an audience for that as well. But again, the focus seems to be on identity and brand, mm-hmm. like identity and brand. So, yeah, man, I, I uh, calling it now. Like in a year from now, we're gonna see who's got the strongest focus on identity and brand. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, so switching back to switching back to the boys specifically, um, mm-hmm. Aaron, let's get into some of the themes of this show because there's a lot of cool stuff here. Yeah. Um, okay. So the very first one is probably the most like uh, like obvious, and that is that Vought Vod is probably. Would you put them as Marvel or would you put them as like Disney? Um, well, it's funny because when this was written, it would have been more of like DC. But yeah. modern day and age, interpreting the series, I would definitely say more of Disney. Yeah. So if you if you think about Disney, how Disney owns Marvel, Disney now owns like what parts of Fox or all of Fox? I think um, all of 20th Century Fox. Yeah, and then not to mention Pixar. Uh, then they have their own Disney Studios. ESPN, uh, like a yeah, own Star Wars, like Lucasfilms, Indiana Jones, like so. Oh, Aliens now too. Oh yeah, um, like they they own so much stuff, and they're they're um, like, and and so that's kind of like Vought in this, where they're just they're like manipulating the superheroes to bring in more money, and so mm-hmm. if you think of Disney, and then. Um, like the studios that they own that they're manipulating to like make them more and more and more money. Um, take this whole Spider-Man leaving the MCU thing that just went on. Yeah. And it was just what an insane like couple of days that was where people, it was just so stupid because Disney has so much friggin' money, right? Like so much yeah. money. Yeah. And if they want it, like it wasn't anything to do with money, um, like because like Disney can afford to pay like whatever they want, 
<laughs> and yeah. Uh, yeah, and so it was just literally like, no, like we're we're Marvel Studios. Like you should be letting us use this character for a deal that works in our favor. Like it, you know. Yeah. Um, and, and like, so all these people are upset, like tearing apart Sony, like making memes that, uh, you know, Spider-Man is going down the drain and things. And it's just like, everyone's defending, uh, Disney. And Mm -hmm. I think there was even a, um, there was even a like tweet made by Jeremy Renner that was like, think about Stan Lee, like, you know, just completely manipulating people into um, being on the side of like, I don't know even know what he was trying to accomplish there, like being on Disney side to like turn social media against Sony. Like, it's just so weird, right? And- yeah. And this is coming from a podcast that, that, frequently rips on sony (laughs) yeah yeah like it's it's so it's just so insane and um and and like it just it that's what this uh show reminded me of like you have these celebrity um superheroes that are just like terrible people who will do it anything to make sure that they get money and um yeah, it's just it really seems like like there's a lot of that going on. I mean, did it not seem like Disney manufactured a crisis? Like kind of like Vought manufactures crises for yeah. their heroes. Oh yeah. man, that really hit me. And then like a couple weeks later at D23, Disney announces like a Spider-Man ride at their new like Marvel uh, Avengers Campus mm-hmm. uh, land in 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 Disney California Adventure. And I was like like because th- these rights are so sticky because a company might not have movie rights but they'll have theme park rights because theme park rights are exclusive of movies and mm-hmm. stuff so yeah people are going to be going to uh, Avengers Campus next year um presumably they're going to see um they they're going to see Tom Holland's Spider-Man swinging around mm-hmm. um but he won't actually be part of the cinematic universe anymore so yeah th- oh, th- all of this stuff is so weird um, <laughs> oh, uh, one more thing is, uh, like, I think after this whole Jeremy Renner thing, uh, Stan Lee's daughter actually, like, reached out and was, like, um, just talking about how after Stan Lee passed away, uh, yeah. that that uh, Disney never, like, reached out to her, never said Didn't anything. Yeah, never said, like, sorry for your loss or anything like that. And it's just so weird because here's this guy, Jeremy Renner, like, sending out this, um, this like, mass tweet and, like, manipulating people when, like, Disney is just stirring the pot behind the scenes. Yeah, like, I get, like, I really enjoyed Tom Holland as Spider-Man, and I really enjoy mm-hmm. the movies, and I love seeing him interact with the rest of the heroes. And in a perfect world, it'd be nice if everyone played along, played played nice, and everyone could be in the same movies as each other. But at the end of the day, like, you know, Sony Sony's hold, held these rights for, like, a decade now, you know, mm-hmm. at least. And it's so easy to get lost in the in the social media firestorm of everything that you kind of forget you're dealing with this corporation, you know? Yeah. Oh, what's that other thing? Um, the, there's like the law on how, how long you can like hold the like rights to a character. And, yes. and, uh, so I think it was what, like 20 something years or do you know the years? I don't, but there's, there's a couple different laws I'm aware of. There's the one that you have to renew the rights after a certain amount of time. Yeah. Um, and in cinematic rights, there's a law of 
um, how long of a period of time can go by before you actually use those rights to make a movie with it. Mm-hmm. It's so, so that – oh, sorry. Yeah. Uh, sorry, I was just going to say that uh, – so so basically what happened with, with uh, Disney is that they pushed for these laws to be extended – And so they could have ended up owning the rights to Spider-Man, but because they got greedy and wanted to like keep the rights to so many other things, they like extended it. So I think in this last year, the rights to Spider-Man would have came up, but because they pushed to extend it, now it's like, I think another like 10 years before the rights of Spider-Man could be like, uh, that like Sony will lose them. Wow. Yeah. Oh man. I just, um, I just wish Sony made made higher quality films. You know that. Would, yeah. It, this whole thing is only an issue because people don't trust Sony films. Yeah. You know, if they were hitting home runs all the time, everyone wouldn't really mind. Like this kind of stuff goes on every day in Hollywood. But the fact is, yeah. it's a, it's this. I mean, the timing is just so messed up because you just had um, Far From Home come out, mm-hmm. um, Avengers. You know, um, End Game kind of wrapped put a bow on a series of films and now phase four is starting to roll out and everyone's wondering who they're going to like cling to next because this whole batch of heroes is kind of sidelined now or Mm -hmm. have hung up the cape. So yeah, this is so interesting because when you look at the boys, um, what's neat to me, Aaron, um, is the boys comic came around subverting superhero tropes at a time Mm -hmm. where superheroes were getting played out. Like, before before DC did their new 52 reboot, things were getting pretty wacky, you know? Mm-hmm. Everyone's storylines had kind of gotten away on them, and it was kind of this muck and this mire, and it was like, okay, you know what? It's time to clean house. But here was this, here was this wild Irish guy, Garth Ennis, who, who wrote this subversive storyline and, and basically took a, took, took a piss on what DC was doing and the big mess they were making, right? Yeah. So he writes this whole storyline about subversion and how superheroes are actually super flawed people and they're, they're psychopaths and they're sociopaths and they're murderers and they get away with all this stuff. Um, fast forward a like over a decade later to 2019. Mm-hmm. Now this series comes along and is doing the exact same thing in a time where superheroes are everywhere and things are getting a little wacky and we're wondering all wondering where the storylines are going to go and things are kind of being rebooted. It's crazy. It's it's like mm-hmm. mirroring the exact climate of when this book came out. But yeah. the thing is is now mainstream knows about that about this rift because back then it was only comic book fans that were really paying attention mm-hmm. to that. Yeah. But now everyone's on social media. Suddenly everyone needs to know about who Spider-Man belongs to. Um, Mm -hmm. Now you see a series like The Boys where it's almost like Disney is Vought and Amazon is The Boys. It's so Mm -hmm. like, it's so wild to me. Like that's why I feel like this show is we're talking about because it, um, this, this flipping comic like predicted the future of a cinematic universe that yeah. hadn't existed yet. And now we're in that cinematic universe and the boys is again saying, yeah, there's this whole corporation who's manufacturing these crises and, and, you know, making superheroes, corporate profits. Um, it's, it's so wild. Like just, just the, like there's one way of looking at it, of course, where it's really cynical and it's really dark and broody and, and mean spirited. But if you take a step back and look at it, almost like a piece of music. I keep saying the word punk rock because that's just kind of like how it resonated with me. 
Mm-hmm. It's like the difference between listening to like Top 40 and listening to like the Sex Pistols or something. You know yeah. What I mean? yeah. It's just like I keep feeling that vibe of like, yeah, you know what? Like tear it all down, tear it all down. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, it's awesome too because in the, sh- in the show, whenever they have uh, like superhero team ups, like they say this thing like, everybody loves a team up. And it's totally a nod to, uh, <laughs> oh, yeah. to Marvel movies because like, oh, yeah. you. It's so crazy because there's <laughs> there's a formula that those movies carry. Now, when like the first Hulk came out, uh, Hulk came out, uh, Iron Man came out, those kind of movies, you're like, whoa, like wow, this is really awesome. This is so cool. Then like you yeah. know, you know, a few more come out, and you're like, oh, like I I start to see uh, like a theme developing here, and yeah. then it's like more coming out, and you're just kind of like, oh, like this isn't like. You're just you. You've got it down to like a formula where you just kind of like pump out this movie and it just makes millions, you know. And then yeah. and then you're going, wow, like that was such a successful movie. Let's do it again. And then you're pumping out the same thing like over again, and people are still eating it up and being like, and now they're starting to measure that success by how many dollars it brings in. But in all actuality, it's like nothing is original. Nothing is like you're taking material and just like kind of changing it a little bit and adapting it to to screen. But you're like, it's just, it's also like mundane, you know? And this is how, what you're saying, that's exactly how Garth Ennis felt about the state of Western comic books when he decided yeah. to craft this this crazy thing. Um, that's his, That was his exact feelings. The problem is, is that we're all just catching up now. Yeah. Um, um, because don't get me wrong, I, I've really enjoyed the Marvel movies. I think they're a ton of fun, especially like the most recent ones. Like Thor Ragnarok is mm-hmm. just such a blast. Um, even if you don't like superhero movies, that movie's such a blast. So it's not to say that I hate those films. It's just to say that in the spirit and the realism of what is behind the curtain, um, mm-hmm. this is so relevant right now. It's really fascinating stuff. Um, one of the themes... I wanted to talk, uh, touch on, um, was, uh, religion because I feel like that so much of this film, um, is satirical in nature towards a lot of faith and religion. I suppose it comes from my fascination with religion and its effect on the world as a largely negative force. I, I grew up in a country that it was really cut in half by a religious division, um, looking at the history uh, of what Christianity in particular has done to the Western world over the centuries. It's, it's a fascination. There's a degree of disgust there. It's something that's never going to go away from my work, I think, because, because these ideas seem to be so strong and they exert such an influence over so many. And on another level, you get some great toys to play with. You get demons and angels and uh, you get blasphemy <laughs> um garth ennis is um he's he's an atheist and religion it plays a big part in pretty much all of his storylines that he writes because it's it's kind of mm-hmm. something he feels strongly about um in terms of especially christianity he seems to hate christianity and he mm-hmm. thinks that it it has basically destroyed the western world <laughs> it's, yeah. it's funny the more i talk about him the more it sounds like he just hates like america but i, I don't think that's the case but um mm-hmm. so i wanted to touch on that a little bit in terms of this story what's interesting is in the boys um the world at large 
basically acknowledges, although the Christian community in this world acknowledges that the superheroes are a gift from God, mm-hmm. that they're not specifically, like they don't realize that they're manufactured. They basically, there's that one, Aaron, that one scene where Homelander and... Oh uh, my gosh, that scene was like, gave me chills. Yeah, describe this a little bit. This is crazy, this scene. Okay, so they are in like a, definitely like a Bible state. Uh, yeah. I'm not sure. I can't remember off the top of my head which one it was. And uh, Starlight is there and Homelander is there and they're kind of just doing, uh, what is it, like public appearances. And yeah. uh, and there's this scene where Homelander starts giving this speech and he just like, so the, what is her name? Madam, Madam Sitwell. Mm-hmm. Um, she, she like, uh, basically re- like pre-writes all their speeches for them and Homelander disagrees with it because he wants to be like, um, like he wants to come from a, like we want, they, well, cause they want to, they want, Vought wants superheroes in the military. And, yeah. um, so he's there to give a speech to convince people to vote on a bill to have, uh, superheroes in the military. Some people... You want me to come out here and speak empty platitudes to you all? A little bit of corporate talk. But I don't want to do that. I can't do that. You want to know why? Because I believe that what God wants me to do is get on over there, find the filthy bastards that masterminded this, whatever cave they're in, and introduce it to a little thing called God's judgment. That's what I think. Sounds like the American thing to do. Sounds like the right thing to do. But no, 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 no. Apparently, I gotta wait for Congress to say it's okay. Right? And I say, I answer to a higher law. Wasn't I chosen to save you? Is it not my God-given purpose to protect the United States of America? just completely like insane and then one point he like flies up and like raises his arms and like slowly yeah. descends into the crowd while they're and all like everyone's have got their, their arms up. up yeah and like trying it's like to a like renaissance touch painting Ugh. oh it's insane and it makes you feel like icky yeah this whole series makes you feel icky at several uh, about a dozen probably once an episode there's like a, a scene yeah. that makes you feel icky but this this one really jumped out at me because um, there's 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 a dozen different ways to look at it. I don't really want to tell people how to interpret it because they'll, everyone mm-hmm. will have their own reaction to it. But it's satirizing politics, it's satirizing mm-hmm. religion, and it's it's really really wild stuff. Of course, you have Starlight Annie January, who's up there, and she's supposed to be, you know, this young innocent hero, and and she has her speech to do, right? Um, but she ends up speaking her mind. <laughs> mm-hmm. Here's the truth: anyone who tells you they know the answers is lying. 
And I know, I know, I'm supposed to be this hero, idol, symbol, whatever, but I don't know what the hell I'm doing. I'm just as scared and confused as the rest of you. I'm done pretending. And I'm done taking any more shit. So she gets up there and essentially finally speaks her mind because she's had enough of, of the machine that she's been through. Mm-hmm. And um, in, in a really powerful, uh, really unnerving kind of speech. So, yeah. Yeah, man. It's, re- it's really cool, too, because um, they, like, two kind of themes that you see emerge from Vought is uh, corporation, like money, greed, business side. And then the second thing is uh, religion. And so from my understanding in the show, they're all kind of like, religious like the superheroes do believe in god or at least they just say they do to manipulate that side of the crowd and now like what's really interesting is like you see this in 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 like everyday life like two of the major factors that go on in politics are mm-hmm. like corporations and reli- like religion um, it's true yeah it plays a yeah, major part yeah it's it's like it's so insane like uh you know the like voting conservative or whatever, right? Like, like that is of religious parties and like, you know, there's so many Christian people and they don't want to vote in anyone who's not like religious. So you have these like leaders who come up and say, yeah, like, I'll like, um, like, and that was another thing too, is cause like, I think when this, this was made, the, the, like I was, I can't, I think it was the Eric, Kremper. I was like read, listening to an interview that he did, and he said, and he says that um, he says that like this is what if celebrities were involved in politics would look like. And I think oh, like wow. he was, re- yeah, he was referencing to like um, Donald Trump being the president and like a celebrity being the president in like politics. So not only are you getting that in the show, but it like exists in real life too, which is just absolutely like insane. It's wild. I, I feel like Garth Ennis really wants, um, I think his big message was uh, the separation of church and state. Yeah. Yeah, man. Because like I was I was brought up in a Christian household um, yeah. and I recognize these themes and, and what's become of like the Western church and how corporate yeah. and how it's run by, you know, these, these people that have made themselves like overlords of, of other people. And it's really, it felt like I was watching that play out in this, mm-hmm. in this context of what's a celebrity politician really means and how their views can really shape how people feel about yeah. bigger issues that they don't maybe unpack. Maybe this sounds too political, but what's always crazy to me is when a poll, when uh, a, pub, a a famous public figure, um, typically when they announce their viewpoint on an issue, it popularizes that viewpoint just because of their force of personality, not because mm-hmm. people are fully educated in that issue. Yeah. Um, and the boys really leans into that hard with Homelanders, um, with Vought's agenda to get the superheroes into the military and to get mm-hmm. that militaristic control over everything. Yeah. Um, that's just so cool and so, like... Um, Orwellian, you know, it's very <laughs> crazy. Yeah. Oof. Yeah. Just like what an insane show. I don't know how um, they managed to capture all this stuff and turn it into a script. And not only that, but take uh, from a comic book and switch things up and also do it justice at the same time. Yeah. But then also kind of know when to pump the brakes because um, there, there's so much stuff in the comics that 
is just unfilmable. Mm-hmm. Like, it's just too gnarly. And there was even ideas that they came up with independently that were also super gnarly that they didn't use. Um, yeah. When they were doing a, uh, they were doing a, a Reddit Ask Me Anything, and uh, one of the ideas they mentioned was Homelander was going to basically... Um, ejaculate all over New York City or something like mm-hmm. that. But Amazon said, no, we can't do that. We can't do that. Um, which is funny. It's funny that Amazon did step in and say, okay, come on, calm down. We can't do that. Mm-hmm. Another theme that comes up, which is really, really interesting, is this um, this notion of compound V mm-hmm. and how there's this, uh, there's this kind of side plot where A-Train, uh, played by Jesse T. Usher, is worried that he's no longer... Um, that that he's aging out, that he's not going to be the mm-hmm. fastest man on earth anymore. Yeah. Um, so he's in a race with another up and coming superhero, um, and basically um, he takes this compound V as a performance enhancer to beat him mm-hmm. in the race. But the compound V, they kind of become addicted to it, and yeah. it sends them into like uh, Roy I don't know Ridge. how would you describe it, Roid Rage? Yeah. Yeah. But like roid rage, and allegedly at the beginning of the show, when he when he obliterates Huey's girlfriend, it's because he is on Compound V and he's yeah. trying to get more of it. Um, I feel like Compound V was like uh, some uh, symbolism for like fame and like mm-hmm. uh, like that chasing the dragon of like popularity yeah. and all that kind of stuff. Oh yeah. And, oh man, it was so crazy how people will do anything they'll become anything to chase that rush you know Mm -hmm. um but it's in like that celebrity thing that that that, through that celebrity lens where like they 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 need to keep their popularity they need to maintain their Mm -hmm. image they need to do all this intense stuff just to stay where they are yeah it was like uh what's her name sharon stone in catwoman yeah it was it really (laughs) really was where she's taking the uh oh what was the name of that cream yeah yeah. Um, Aaron, did that resonate with you in terms of like, uh, like when you look at Hollywood today, like, does it not feel like there, there could be such a thing as compound V out there? Oh yeah. Oh man. Uh, but this is, this is what I will, sh- will say about the show. Even though it has all these cool, unique ideas, um, you know, it takes shots at, uh, things that are going on, like in the real world right now, takes shots at other superhero genres and all that. The thing that I liked about this show the most, and that's like, whenever you watch, a, say, Avengers or even any of the Justice League stuff, it's, it's always like, there are these human beings who have godlike powers, right? Yeah. And uh, the these people are like they at any moment they could go a psycho and like obliterate like millions and millions of people, but they don't because they take pity on the humans and uh, they want to like rescue them and help them and help them be better. And so it's almost like superheroes have to lower themselves to like a human standard in order in order to like protect them, right? And so right. I like and that's one one kind of thing that goes on in the whole like superhero North American superhero genre in this movie it's it's like no the superheroes are a bunch of cuts and and it's like the the um the humans are like uh you know it 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 shows like the human drive the human like uh won't take bs from anyone and like you can't hold us down and it and it elevates us as like a human race and I'm always 
pro-human. Like, I'm always on the human side of, like, raising up and we can defeat, like, whatever um, corporation, religious, like, tyranny that's going on. And I think for me, that was probably, like, my most favorite part of uh, of the show. Just like in Battlefield Earth. Yeah. No, <laughs> I was, okay, this exactly is, like that. The whole evil corporation controlling everything is a very yeah. sci-fi trope. Um, one thing I want to mention, this 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 whole series, um, I, I didn't see this mentioned anywhere else, but um, this really reminded me of a young adult's book that I read. Um, mm-hmm. uh, it's called Steelheart by uh, Brandon Sanderson. And okay. it is about basically this cataclysmic event that happens on Earth that turns a bunch of people into superheroes, but they're they're evil and they're bad and they end up kind of like um they basically overlord humanity and mm-hmm. there is a character in that called Steelheart who kills the main character's father but um in doing so he ends up like shooting Steelheart and grazing his cheek with a bullet and everyone sees that the god king bleeds you know quote unquote that whole mm-hmm. thing we talked about in 10,000 BC and then they're like oh we he can be killed. And so there's this secret underground group of ragtags who are trying to devise a way to take down the mm. overlording superheroes. And mm-hmm. and that came out, I think, shortly after the comic series run for the boys wrapped up. Now, the reason I mention this is it's a fun book. I, I, I do recommend it if you're into young adults and stuff. It's, it's a super quick read and it's a lot of fun. And it's obviously a lot more lighthearted than this, but ex- yeah. very similar concept. Um, there was also... There was also another young adults book called Renegades, which is more recent, but also deals with like the heroes of the bad guys and the bad guys mm-hmm. and the heroes kind of thing. So my prediction is because The Boys is such a hit, you're going to see a lot more shows that are subverting the superhero trope. Mm-hmm. I feel like there's a new trend coming, which almost mm-hmm. makes me worry about like the next upcoming seasons of this show because like if the comics are any indicator, it's going to get even more crazy. It's going to get yeah. even more disgusting and <laughs> creepy and whatever else, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, one thing I want, uh, I, I just, because these things ebb and flow, right? Mm-hmm. There's a pattern. There's, there's a creative idea sparks popularity becomes like global appeal and mm-hmm. then we kind of get sick of it and then in comes the cynicism yeah. subversion take and then the whole thing kind of resets and we start again it's very mm. cyclical in pop culture and yeah. I, I think the era of cynicism towards superheroes on movies in movies uh, mm-hmm. has begun and it's begun in a big big way with the boys mm-hmm. yeah that's really interesting I would agree with that I feel like uh, in kind of pulling this train into the station, the cast is unbelievable. I feel like everyone mm-hmm. does a great job. Um, Jennifer Esposito from Master of Disguise is in this. Yes. As, uh, Susan Raynor. So that was kind of fun. As soon as she came on screen, I was like, eh, it's a Jennifer. <laughs> couldn't, couldn't help it. Yes. So some more ties to stuff we've done in the past. I always like to see that. Uh, <laughs> I like to see those connective dots. Yeah. It's like everyone's always like one or two degrees away from in separation of a really bad movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But um yeah, man, I feel like uh I feel like the boys sets a bar and it's really going to mm-hmm. do wonders for uh Amazon as a streaming service, but I am curious about what this means um for 
Um, I am, I'm curious of what this means for, for everything. I really feel yeah. like phase four for Marvel is going to be a rough ride. Um, if this is the way people are going to start to feel, you know? Yeah. 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 Uh, well, think? we're going to, we're going to, we're going to find out right away here. I, I think it's exactly what you said. Um, what needs to happen is studios and like corporations, they need to understand when to call it. Mm. To not like oversaturizing, and right now I feel like there's an oversaturation in like the Marvel like universe. Um, oh yeah, yeah, and so and and so like I think you're exactly right. Like it's gonna need to reset. I like I really hope with this series too that they don't try to stretch it out and keep making seasons. That they just maybe make one or two more. Well, they are made made a second one already, but maybe a third season, and that's probably about it. Like I don't think you could you could uh, stretch it out any longer than that. Right. And so I yeah I'm just I like I really hope that they don't uh, they don't like. Exactly what you said. Like, they don't make this now just played out. Yeah, because if, honestly, if I was, frick, man, I know this sounds dumb, but if I was in charge, I would have literally just gave this a one-and-done season and let it have been this weird masterpiece. Um, Mm -hmm. Because I feel like The Boys is like the 2019 equivalent of, like, Spaceballs or Scary Movie, where everyone had just kind of, a genre got played out, and then someone came along and flipped it on its head, made everyone laugh. And that was that. But, of course, mm-hmm. the scary movies got out of control. And I just don't want to see the same thing happen to the boys. Yeah. Because it's easy to, like, wrap up this eight-episode run. And it is only eight episodes. That's worth noting, too, because there is an element to this season where you're like, okay, I get it. You know? Like, mm-hmm. as brilliant as it is, by the end of it, you're like, yep, I get it. I see what you're trying mm-hmm. to say. Now, that's thematically speaking. Story speaking, there's a ton to do still. But... Mm-hmm. Thematically speaking, I'm just not sure where you go in season two to keep things interesting. Yeah. Um, we'll see. <laughs> we'll, we'll see pretty quick. Yeah. We get to, in a couple of years, we could do another episode and <laughs> of what our predictions and stuff are and what, where the state of Hollywood is now. I'm going to be really interested in revisiting this episode in a year or something, re-listening to it and seeing if yeah. anything I said was relevant or if I'm just, you know. Yeah. <laughs> on my soapbox. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. I rant a little bit sometimes, so we'll see. Um, well, with uh, that being said, I just, like, you know, this is the first time uh, you and I have ever, like, we stepped out of our wheelhouse there. And, we, you know, this oh, yeah. series isn't bad. Um, and it's, like, critically acclaimed. And also, it's not a movie. It's a series, right? And, yes. and so, like, for any of those listening out there, let us know what you thought of this episode, whether you like us doing this sort of thing or if you think we should just stick to reviewing bad movies, which... It's not really a big deal to us, but we we thought we'd try something different here. Yeah, absolutely. We don't want to um, we don't want to do anything that really like takes away from the spirit of our course show. Um, yeah. But we do we do enjoy talking to each other about movies <laughs> and shows and <laughs> all sorts of stuff. So yeah, let us know and. Um, um, if you're a fan of the show, um, please, uh, we would really appreciate it if you help us grow. And the best way to do that is to um, rate our show uh, and subscribe. And uh, if you know anyone that you think might be a fan of the show, let them know about it because um, we we, yeah. we really want to grow our audience and grow the show. And uh, uh, So if you like us, share us. 
Yeah, for sure. Tell the world about us. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, tell the world. So you can uh, get in contact with us through all our social medias. They're all in the show notes. And uh, mm-hmm. let us know what you thought of the boys. Um, yeah. We'd sure like to know um, what you thought of the boys and what you think of all our Instagram memes about the boys. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So, so Aaron, um, if you were recommending the boys to somebody, what would you say? Okay, so for this show, I would recommend it to anyone who is um, sick of the superhero genre and wants a fresh take on it. I would say mm. this this show is for you. Also, anyone who is a fan of uh, like DC and Marvel, uh, just for the, all the little Easter eggs that you will see in in this show and the little references and jabs and everything that go on. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, if you had to give it a score out of 10, actually, let's do out of 100 because I think this oh, okay. uh, this is another departure for us. This doesn't actually have like a Rotten Tomato score, quote unquote. So yeah. if you had to give it like, say, like a Metacritic or like IMDb score, what would you give it out of 100? Oh, okay. I would give it probably like a 92. Whoa, that's awesome. I would put it up there. Yeah, I probably would too. I would say probably high 80s. Um, yeah. It's a bit, how you say? Dark. Morbid. I think it's just, it's a bit dark and morbid and yeah. it's not, it's not exactly to my taste in that regard, but at the same mm-hmm. time, it's so strong. It's so yeah. powerful. Um, I've heard it compared to like Paul Verhoeven movies like Robocop or Starship Troopers and it's so okay, version. Yeah. yeah. But, uh, so yeah, yeah I, if, if you're into that kind of thing, for sure. Yeah, I I mean I like anarchy and I like things going absolutely insane and so that this show had a lot of that in for me for me and so that's mm-hmm. why it's like that high up there for me because it was just the show from start to finish was just absolute chaos. Absolutely, yeah. And if and yeah, yeah and if you didn't realize it, uh, listener, like uh, this guy, the same guy is responsible for preacher. So if you're looking to fill a uh, the boys shaped void in your heart before season two mm-hmm. drops. Maybe check out Preacher. Uh, I haven't mm-hmm. checked it out personally, but if you're looking for more of that same kind of tone, um, that's also from his brain. So yeah, give it a go. Let us know what you think yeah. of that too. Great, awesome. Well, Aaron, thanks so much for talking the boys with yes, me. Yes, that was awesome. And uh, yeah, I think our next episode will be a uh, in defense of episode for sure. So yeah, bye bye. Jesus, he gives the worst pep talks. He really, really does. Yeah!